Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Much To Discuss. The podcast where we talk about gossip and scandals to keep you entertained during this quarantine period. And as always, I'm Julie Moses Duffy. I'm Emma Mary Finnegan. And I'm Ferdinand Joseph Victor Garland. Okay. Garland! That was was a lot. Cue the music! Garland. Of Judy Garland fame. Of Judy Garland fame, yes. My best Judy. So, you were two of, my, two of my best Judies. On this episode, we are discussing scandals from the 1960s. I thought it was 1860s. No, oh, <laughs> Queen Victoria's lover. He got TB. Someone had TB. Someone was a witch, probably. Is that too late? <laughs> I'm gonna go first. Go I'm on. very excited. Oh, good story. So my scandal this week is it's an Irish one. Oh, very nice. This is scandalous. With a father. With a father. <laughs> scandalous. Cade, <laughs> what's scandalous, Osquelga? I've no idea. Uh, I'll look it up. That's desperate. I went to the girls school. Yeah, Emma, you yeah. speak fluent Irish. I'm only on Ross and if you didn't know the word scandalous in Irish. They're never going to cast me now. No. <laughs> right, anyway, yeah, my mom gave me this scandal because I was actually, because I was, you know, I'm a young and wasn't around in the 60s, so I uh, wasn't you sure of any scandal. That was our prime party. <laughs> yeah, unlike <laughs> these two. Julie especially. Julie. Did you just peak Whoa. and slowly decline. Here's my scandal. It's called The Bishop and the Nighty. Oh. From 1966, it is well known in Ireland as the biggest kind of Irish TV scandal. It happened, it was on The Late Late Show, 1966, oh. with Gay Byrne. So Gay Byrne was hosting like a kind of, this was only year five of The Late Late Show, just to let everyone know. So it was very early on. It had only just started. It was obviously, we you know, it's the oldest late night mm. talk show in Europe. So it was the first of its kind in Europe, kind of trying to take inspiration from the American late night talk shows and stuff. And it was supposed to only be a summer thing and then continued on. But this is not really about the late late show. It's just this is what happened on it. So Gay Byrne was kind of doing like a, it's just like a Mr. and Mrs. style quiz. Not really. You know, where like someone, so he had a, he had a couple and one person like leaves the room and he asks oh, yeah. one questions and oh, the other yeah. one comes back in and has to answer the, with the same answer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he had a couple from Terenure, the uh, the foxes, Mr. and Mrs. Fox. Um, Fantastic foxes, yeah. From uh, Terenure, and he was asking them. So he sent the wife out of the room, and uh, he had the husband there, and he was asking him some questions. So one of the questions was like, "Oh, if your wife, um, if you were having a party in the house, would your wife, um, a clean up straight away?" Uh, afterwards clean up a little bit after it or not clean up until the next day and he was like oh god she'd clean up straight away and then it was like the next next question was like if money was not an option what would your wife want as a holiday would she want um to go to sunny spain would she want uh a trip on the shannon or would she uh or would she want two weeks in new york and he was like god she'd love a trip by the shannon (laughs) <laughs> oh, tell me she said something else so then the, this is the question that got the controversy so there was a question he asked the husband being like what nighty 
did she wear on the night of your honeymoon? Was it, what color was it? Was it black? Was it white? Or was it another color? The husband says, it was transparent. But then he was like, I need to find out, I, well, what color would that be? So they were like, that's an other color, right? So then they, the, they bring the wife back in and sure, she says, yeah, of course I clean up straight, straight away. She says, I'd love a trip to the sh- by the Shannon. Oh. And then she says, um, and when he says, okay, and what, what color was your nighty on your honeymoon? She was like, I wasn't wearing any. These boxes are fucking. Oh. And, then, and then she was like, "Well, if I was, it would have been white." So obviously, that was not a match, white and another color. But the controversy then came from her saying that she was wearing a nightie on the night of her honeymoon. And so, so this oh is for the scandal. So it all started with the <laughs> the bishop of Clonfert in Galway. Uh, Bishop Thomas Ryan, who um, the following day after the the on this the Sunday after the Late Late Show had been on, he delivered a vigorous protest against the contents of the show and urged members of the congregation to add their protests in any way they saw fit. No. Uh, he also sent a telegram to Gabriel, <laughs> saying he was disgusted with this disgraceful performance, <laughs> and in his. In his sermon, he said, we are entitled to see a program that is more in keeping with moral standards traditional in our Catholic country. So he basically just like went off about it. So obviously then there was like reports in the Irish Times, like the Irish Times just loved this. (laughs) And But there (laughs) there was a lot of people like saying, oh, they should cancel this show. Absolutely, just because a guest had said something on live television. Yeah, but basically saying, oh, Gay Brown should not have asked those questions. That should not have even been brought up. That shouldn't have happened. All of this stuff. It was it was absolutely like, oh, there she's back. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it just like blew up out of control. And uh, then the Catholic Archbishop of Dublin said that the piece on the show was vulgar coarse and even suggestive and was really unworthy oh my emma do you know were the foxes catholic i i would imagine so i would imagine so i think because you said Um, in dublin so obviously there's a bit of that metropolitan liberalness to them yeah yeah and and also like they apparently were kind of chill about it but what's really weird is that it was all about what the woman said and it wasn't about what the husband said. So the sexism was ripe in Ireland at the time, as it, you know, kind of still is, but it was, oh, it was desperate. So she was like, it was like women are condemned for, you know, whatever they say. So basically like he, your man, the husband was like, oh, it was a translucent nighty. Oh, bit saucy. Like translucent is see-through, means it didn't exist. You know what I mean? In yeah. fact, when you said it, I thought it was just like, like a sort of clear raincoat kind of material. A clear raincoat. A, a clear raincoat. Transparent. Yeah. Raincoat. And yeah. if you're wearing that before you have sex in the night of your honeymoon, that's see-through. Oh yeah, yeah. It and is. that's a bit kinkier than wearing nothing at all. If we're on. That's kinkier than wearing nothing. I think <laughs> a clear raincoat. What's this weatherman role play you're doing? <laughs> 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 
Oh, I'm wet to the bone, you know. One of them. Listen, Freddie, I wouldn't know about clear raincoats now, you know. Whatever you obviously, like, the sexual revolution was going on, like, in the UK, like, the miniskirt in America. Like, yeah. there was. But a in Ireland, we were. In Ireland, it just wasn't. It just was not. This was yeah. not it. It was not okay. Yeah. So it was like. So this was like the first time that anything of like what they were calling like personal intimacy was like on television in Ireland or on like so that had like been virtually like unheard of before the Late Late Show and so but like the comments from your man Mr Fox on like the transparent night he caused like absolutely no public outrage nothing happened and uh but her Mrs Fox's comments were like absolutely unacceptable the fact that she was like oh I wasn't wearing anything it was seen as like Ooh. big no-no which is just like cop on mm. but also was the time but still also hilarious how the Catholic Church took a huge you know swing down after this you know this was 1966 this was before anything came out but um, you know mm. any mother and baby homes and stuff a few more years till then but uh but, but yeah even, no even if you think about it like their honeymoon like they're married Surely, like, oh, they're married. The whole thing is that theoretically, under yeah. the 1960s Ireland thing, is that once you're married, you're able to have a sexual liberation within a married state or whatever. Mm. But the neighbors should never know. Oh. It was just, it was just with a baby. If a baby, if a baby came, came from there, Jesus, had sex. I mean, I know, but it's this, but it's this shame, this absolute shame of talking about it. Oh my God, the thought of a naked woman, the female body, like, it just was like unheard of but also what is crazy because it does seem insane now like it mm, seems yeah. literally insane but like it does go, just go to show like the power of the catholic church at the time in ireland but it kind of like sinks up people of i guess i suppose that generation calling up joe duffy about normal people and about the sex <sighs> in the show which i just feel like it's a very sneaky link to that in some way yeah, it is but yeah basically after all of that <laughs> with the bishop in the nighty uh the RTE board apologised for the content and so did Gay Byrne. He said it was not the show's intention to embarrass viewers. And um, he, did, he, did, he did defend himself though, and I think rightfully so. And he was like, uh, it was an ad lib na- late night show for adult viewing, which I'm like, mm-hmm. fair. Correct. What else do you want to, like, what else do you want to say? Um, but according to Gay Byrne in 2015, he spoke about it again because uh, Mrs. Fox passed away. Aww. Oh no. So they did another little coverage of the story just because they said that she passed away and they talked to Gabriel about it. And he said that uh, the coverage of like the incident, I guess, continued in the Irish Times for around two months until it died away. But that, uh, as far two as he months. knows, <laughs> two months, insane. Oh my God. Yeah. Two months they were on this. But that as far as he knows that the couple themselves weren't bothered at all and apparently they were highly amused by the whole thing. And Mrs. Fox is quoted as saying, the whole thing is too ridiculous for words. And I agree with her. Yeah. Good. I like that. I like that too. Oh, I was really nervous this was going to go to a place that like they were, there was like people outside their house or like they were getting mail or whatever. I'm glad. No. We're buying their CDs and crushing them with a steamroller. <laughs> yeah, I That's feel like, you know, up. even even 
if we're like, God, what a terrible thing to happen in Ireland in the 90, in 1966. It's not the worst of scandals. Oh. You know, you know, worse things could have happened. Oh, yeah. But it was, it was a little, it was a scandal, I suppose. Yeah. And it shook up, shook up the Irish. National press coverage. But what, what I think is a good thing to come from this, because we've spoken about so many different scandals and all those, like, mm -hmm. the aftermath of them. Um, the, the Late Late Show wasn't cancelled. You know, Gabe yeah. wasn't fired. She wasn't attacked in the street and protested mm -hmm. about it. You know, it, yeah. it was keyboard warriors off the time, sitting yeah. at the Irish Times, <laughs> typing away. Yeah, there was a good quote, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, I'll see if I can find it, but it's probably not even worth it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's going to take me too long to find a funny quote that I saw. Ah, oh, listen. I feel like I do love, like, reading in the years and things like that, when you, like, because that's really not that long ago. Uh, for, like, the late, late of War Gay Burn, kind of like when they had, who was it, Boys Own On for the first time, and they were wearing those dungarees, and they were too sexy, and it was outrageous they were on. They had no, they had no tops on them with the dungarees. And you're literally just like, Ireland, what's happening? Or like when Mary Robinson was talking about contraception, everything, and everyone was aghast. And it's like, lads. It just, it, it's so funny because even, I think that even at the times when these things happen in Ireland, we're still behind the times. You know what I mean? Like most of the population is like, where have you been? Why are you angry about this? This is so not an issue. But then bizarre that we were like, we have to catch up. So we started running. And then we were like, we're having a gay referendum. We're having an abortion mm -hmm. referendum. It's both going to pass. We're done. We're moving on. And now we're quite liberal. And it's like, how does, what's happening with the yeah. time and the speed? I think a huge thing is just the decline of people going to mass. Yeah. Is that, you know, every week you have someone of a very conservative point of view sharing their views to a large group of people every week and less people are hearing that. And yeah. people are hearing, you know, liberal point of views. But it, the decline of the Catholic Church due to the fall of the Catholic Church in Ireland, I think that's the thing. Yeah. That was the key thing. Hypocrisy. But yeah, no, so it was just one uh, journalist in the Irish Times wrote that uh, the bishop <laughs> was trying to kill a fly with a sledgehammer. <laughs> this, oh. um, which I think is an accurate analogy. Mm. That he just was like, the telegrams to Gayburn was just too much. The telling the people at his church to go and protest, the poor, like, people who were going to mass, that he was, like, protesting oh, anyway. Over the top. Mm. The Archbishop of Dublin chiming in. It was all too much. Did we know what the theme for this year's Met Gala was supposed to be? Oh, I was thinking about this today. This year's extravaganza featured a delightful and divine theme about time, fashion and duration. <gasps> that would have been, lads, we would have seen roughs coming out of places you've never seen before. No, you'd have to almost like be time. No, for the, if I think it come as a clock. No, no, I, over here. no I think perfect. fashion and duration, you'd need to, I think, <gasps> I know, I know what you're doing. The material that doesn't decay or that lasts long, I think you'd wear a full denim look. Do you reckon you could um, recycle last year's look and be like... Duration. Duration. <laughs> or if you'd been there like two or three years, get bits of each look and make it a new yes. look. Yes. Oh, Emma, that's very good. A Franken-gown. So I'm covering the <laughs> life and times of Kenneth Sean Carson. Okay. I thought you were doing yes. JFK. I thought you were doing either JFK or what's-his-name. Uh, Martin Luther King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
wasn't it? God, that babe. So I was like, I was like, oh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do. I mean, some people died. So Marilyn died. JFK mm. died. MLK died. Mm. And then I was like, let's not focus on death. Let's focus on being born. I should also tell you that at the time I thought this is gonna be really funny. Uh, I didn't think there'd be enough information about this, and then it turns out I got way too into it. Oh. So many stars that we know today were born in 1960. RuPaul Charles, 1960s, my mistake. Mm. RuPaul Charles, both Obamas, J-Lo, Abby Lee Miller from Dance Moms. J-Lo? The same birthday as me, Abby Lee Miller. I thought J-Lo was like 30. J-Lo's like 50. That's what J-Lo wants you to think. <laughs> Good, actually, it works on me. Now, J-Lo's hot. else was born in 1961? Kenneth Sean Carson. Who's this? There are approximately 247 versions of who we know as Ken. From clean cut sailor to beach bum to Olympic golf <gasps> medalist. Ken! He has the dream house. He has oh. the girl. He has a Corvette. Sometimes he can shave. And he's had multiple careers. Why, he even has a gang of friends known as Brad, Curtis, Derek, and Dude. Oh. That's yes. right. We're talking about Barbie's boyfriend and long-term lover, Ken. Ken. Kenneth, what's the full name? Kenneth Sean Carson. Kenneth Sean Car- Carson. How is Sean spelt? S-H-A-W-N, Daphne. S-E-A-N. <gasps> Representation. Kenneth Sean Carson. Irish representation. Look, this is two Irish scandals in a row. Mm. Honestly. <laughs> and it gets very Catholic, let me tell you, because Barbie had been out and single for two years. Barbie single. In 1961, she meets Ken on the set of a TV commercial that she's shooting, and they instantly fall in love. Why is this Catholic? Why is Kenneth Sean Carson a scandal? Because he had everything. Except a penis. <laughs> I'm talking about society's favorite eunuch, Ken the doll. Here's the thing. <laughs> Don't even laugh at me. Here's the thing. This is dead serious. This is, yeah, yeah. This is a much it. bigger scandal than you and I would ever have thought. Okay. It actually got so complicated that this morning I thought, I'm not really ready to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So, Ken was named after Ken Handler who is the son of Ruth and Elliot. Ruth being the designer and maker of Barbie, Elliot being the CEO of Mattel. Mm-hmm. Power couple and a half. Ken is their son. Ken was 18 at the time of the doll's debut and his legacy would become inextricably linked with his namesake doll mm. that he eventually came to despise. That's important. Okay. So there's a lot of people involved in this story. Uh, if you fear the air, that's fine. So former Mattel kind of ad man and head of marketing, Cy Schneider, has a lot to say on the topic. Mm-hmm. He refers to the question of what to put between Ken's legs as a hot internal issue. This was like, this was tearing the company apart. But may I just say, Please. Barbie has no vagina. But Barbie does have tittle biggies. Yes, no nips, but she does have a chest. She is, mm-mm. I don't think a chest is an equivalent to a penis. I think a vagina. Is sexually scandalized. Like people, like the way you're not allowed to show your nips, whatever, whatever, they're treated as though they are a sexual organ when they're not. Mm-hmm. The way they're policed the same way. Okay, so they have no nips on Barbie, so no penis on Ken. Bear with me. 
we do get into it. It gets very political. Okay. It actually, there is a lot of mention of Freud, and I was like, it's very early in the morning. But okay, so here's what happens. This way, you should do these late at night. <laughs> Maybe. I get too odd about this. Four o'clock in the afternoon is the perfect time. <laughs> so, so, Ruth Handler, the designer, the inventor, she wanted Ken to at least have a bulge. Um, mm. This was met with a lot of resistance from the business side of things and the team when they were conceiving, when they were conceiving Ken, conceiving Barbie. Um, there was actually very interesting. Ruth from the get go was like, I want Barbie to have breasts. And all of the men on the design team, so it was all just businessmen and then a few female designers. Mm. And all the men were like, no parents will buy a doll for their children that have breasts. That's scandalous. That's too sexual. And they were completely wrong. Barbie was an absolute smash hit. Mm -hmm. So then she was like, you didn't, like, you didn't listen to me the first time, or I was right the first time at least, so let's give this dude something to play with. So <laughs> he demanded that three mock-ups were made. One, he's completely flat. One, there was a little bit of a rounded bulge. And the next one, it was quite detailed. And that one really embarrassed the men on the team. And they were like, no way, that's so inappropriate. I don't know if they were intimidated by the bulge. Listen, I'm not sure. Um, Handler, wait, very wait. good quotes came from this. They sound like straight men to me. Presumably, Julie, the bulge was under a pair of some painted on underwear. Or was no. it? Like, no, no, no. It was just like, it wasn't like detailed. Like it wasn't like drawn on. Like you couldn't work out the different anatomical, anatomical bits. But like there was a shape. Okay. Like a plastic shape. Maybe but doesn't Ken, Ken has a six pack, doesn't he? Built in. Sometimes. <laughs> built in. <laughs> Listen. We all have one built in covered by some plastic. I want some built in six pack. This was very good. So one of the quotes from uh, one of the men, none of us wanted a doll with a penis showing. If children took off the swimsuit, we felt it'd be inappropriate to see an adult penis. So we reached the conclusion that she should, he should always have a permanent swimsuit is the official term of the bulge. It's a permanent swimsuit. Charlotte Johnson was the clothing designer at the time and she went off. She like went against the whole board and she was like, I'm not fucking designing any briefs. I'm not doing anything. Because she was like, do you know what every little girl in this country is going to do? They're going to sit there and scratch off that paint to see what's underneath. What else would they do? So she was like, this is ridiculous. So Mattel hired a psychologist and a marketing expert. He's known as the father of motivational research, Dr. Ernest Dichter. I did laugh this morning because it's <gasps> Dr. Dick. Anyway, he got brought in and paid to observe girls playing with Barbies. And he was like, the main function of the Barbie and Ken doll is dressing and undressing. That's like the fun of it. Mm -hmm. But he was like, the thing is, little girls, and Emma, like, as you said, the Barbie doesn't have a vagina, da, da, da. But I guess the idea was this toy in the 60s anyway was for girls, mm. was the thing. So he was like, little girls won't understand who Ken is. If he's a boyfriend or can they even comprehend what a boyfriend is at this age? He was like, they will just see Ken as their fathers, their brothers, the boy next door. And is it healthy for children to see their father undressed? Me and Cran laughed this morning because we were like, as you know, there's only two genders dads and moms and that's all kids know <laughs> and it couldn't have been anything else so then they did those mock-ups and they all decided that they were going to go with the medium bulge um the medium hungness is the official term uh there was one that was the nicest looking and the one that was like borderline realistic something for kids to know about but here's what media's joke 
you know, here's what happened. They sent the designs over to their factory in Japan for it to be made. And the bulge added an extra cent and a half to the cost of the doll. And it was very difficult to mold shorts to go over the bulge. And so Japan, an engineer supervising Japan just nixed it. And he, he was flat then. So even the bulge we know today is not the bulge that Mattel intended. Wow. Girls. Ken should have been pretty big. Um, and also very funny, the wording here, a nudge of a bulge that to scale might have resembled a hockey puck. Is what we missed out on. Whoa. Yeah. Now, a hockey puck that way or that way? Emma, I don't know, but everyone seemed pretty upset about it. So I'm going to say it was a pretty good puck. Uh, ultimately, this made no difference to consumers and it was still an absolute hit. Mm. People still wanted to buy the Ken, so it was fine. Um, and then all the marketing execs were like, well, this was a lesson for all of us. Do not insert adult ideas, thoughts, or worries into a children's sphere because children wouldn't have cared either way. Yeah. Pretty much. No. Um, and also, Ken, as a yeah. little girl, I didn't give a shit about Ken. I was more obsessed with Barbie. Barbie was where oh. I was at. But then maybe that's. <laughs> I was gonna say, but uh, <laughs> that's a new thing. Let's leave you to that. Action Man. I thought Action Man was great. Action, Action Man. Man basically Ken, but like more muscular. But built out. Yeah. With a package. Action Man, you know, well, he now, was a spy and he did action things. Here's my question: If did Ken and Action Man off? were boyfriends, who's on top? Oh. Oh, Action Man. Action Man's on top. I completely disagree. Action Man. Ken is not. Ken is a bottom. Oh, girls, I don't believe you at all. I think Action Man goes about his day with this forced masculinity that we expect from him. It's a big burden for him to carry. When he goes home, he just wants to be taken care of. And Ken's there. Ken is not taking care of him, though. I think, if anything, they're both bottoms. Do you know who's top? Barbie. Other boy. What are the boy dolls? I don't know any other boy dolls. I'm a girl. I don't know anything. Don't ask me. I'm just a girl. Oh, oh what was the other one? Max Steel. Action Man and Max Steel. But Max Steel had his Max clothes. Steel. Max Steel had his clothes like built into him. Like they were plastically put on. Well, Action Man, you could undress. And did you? That's why you liked Action Man, wasn't it? I can tell Wait, you. Was there a bulge? Or downstairs filled with. Um, Naked action. Naked action. <laughs> I think we just lost all the clothes. That's convenient. I just what need to lost. Um, are you getting an action man out to show us what's going no, on? No, I'm literally trying to plug in my laptop. Because oh. <laughs> it was falling apart. But isn't now, there a joke in um, Toy Story 3 about Ken being smoother down there? Here's so This is the thing. Yeah, it's referenced in a lot of things. It's a big pop cultural joke, and the whole article is like, we allowed and we created Ken to be a joke. But it's very okay. Okay, let me let me go on. A lot more happens here, right? Okay. So, sorry about it. So a lot more happens here. So then people got upset, and they were saying that Ken is this. Now, some of the wording here I actually have to include because it's so funny. People got upset saying that Ken is nothing more than a fantasy escort for Barbie. Um, Mattel was careful to give him a boyish, clean cut looks and overall non threatening asexual appearance. Appearance? appearance. That of a wimpy little jerk. 
is the official <laughs> marketing term for Ken. For Ken's a bit um, sexy. But then mm. people were like, Mattel went on to overemphasize Ken's like eunuch lack of penis, whatever, because they're saying that the accessories they started giving with him became more and more phallic. Um, like at one point he's like with his barbecue set he had all these little sausages uh, he always has something something dangling off his bathrobe he's always got these long car keys and people are just like reading into this above and beyond belief so anyway here's what happened wow. there was controversies about Ken but none of them from the kids except in, in 1993 when Ken is 32 years of age mm-hmm. in Barbie years um are Barbie the same as Ari? Yes. Okay. <laughs> decided that Ken isn't doing so well. Like, we're getting kind of bored of Ken. We need more ideas. It's not as exciting as Barbie. So they, they interviewed some girls who are all like five. And all the girls were like, no, we still want Ken and Barbie to be together. We don't want her to get a new boyfriend. But we want Ken to look cooler. So they sent out some marketing research people in 93. And they compiled this alongside interviews with children who were watching a lot of MTV at the time. And what came out of this can only be described as the best-selling Ken in in Mattel's history and my favourite doll of all time, Earring Magic Ken. (laughs) Earring Magic Ken, if you remember, I don't know if you do, came out in 1994. No, sorry, he came out in 93. What am I saying? Oh my God, I need to look him up. He was built to resemble Madonna's backup dancers that the kids loved. And a lot of the researchers <gasps> went to clubs to see what everyone was wearing. Oh my goodness, so he's wearing Magic purple. Ken purple mesh. is fully gay. Earring yeah. Magic Ken is wearing pastel colored clothes and what can only be described as a cock ring. Yes, around his neck. He yeah, looked this a was like a like spike from Buffy almost. He does. He does like a gay spike from Buffy. He could play a shiny lavender vest, a matching mesh shirt underneath. Oh, um, the bleached hair swept back the earring. But I was even going to say, like, normal Ken looks gay. I yeah. saw some rough Kens this morning. Like, I looked through a lot of Kens. He's just very, like, as you Shuttle. might think, like, asexual in his appearance. Well, they said he could not be threatening. He had to be the yeah. wimpy, asexual little jerk. He's not the goal. I, I wouldn't call him wimpy. He's just. That's what the marketing of Mattel said, Ferdy. Don't go against them. They wrote the rules. See him in the dance floor in the George, and he'd be very popular. I mean, he seems like a nice lad. Were you aware that him and Barbie broke up for five years? No. Yeah, 2006, they broke up and they got back together on Valentine's Day in 2011. Wow. They just took a break to grow as people. They had to grow. That's nice. They had sorry. But you but, oh my God, I've just seen a picture of Earring Magic Ken doing a Barbie's hair and he's holding a pink hairdryer and honestly, I'm living. He became the most best-selling Ken because all gays were buying him up. He was like a cultural icon. So Ken comes out, also, sorry, can we just, this quote from Mattel Manager of Marketing and Communications, Lisa McKendall. She repeatedly denied that Ken was wearing a tool designed to make his dick harder and longer in bed. Uh, she says, and I quote, we're not in the business of putting cock rings into the hands of little girls. Mattel so stopped making him was? after one year. What did she say it, it was? They just said it was a necklace. They just said it was a necklace. Also, please, note, 
magic earring can came with a pair of clip-on earrings for you to have as well which i really like I think it's also why is it magic magic earring ken why is he magic earring it's great earring now girls if you recall from the start of this ken is named after um oh, yes. their son who despised ken he was a teen when he came out and as we already discussed from eighth grade being a teen is very hard so both Ken's penisless existence and his emergence as a gay icon in the early 90s were relevant um, because Ken Handler was, according to several accounts, very embarrassed to share the name uh, with a doll that did Italia. Another thing to note is that the real Ken, despite having a wife with whom he had three children, also had sex with men in secret and died at age 50 in 1994 from AIDS. Oh no. Yeah. He was outlived by his parents. Oh, that's so sad. He gave a lot of money to AIDS. He was an artist in his own right. I made a lot of films. And he gave a lot of money to AIDS charities and things like that. It was actually very sad to read about. Like, I don't know even how this information's out. There's like so many books about the makers and about him and about everything. Um, About like how he told them on a beach and. Because you would wonder whether it's his like hidden sexuality was due to the, his shame of I guess the Ken doll existing mm-hmm. and being tied to him that he wanted to get away from that but then was part I don't know you wouldn't know it's just That's a lot now here's the tailspin it's got as I said very deep at the end um so bear with me I will be working this out with you at the same time because I could not cope this morning so there's a lot of articles and academics um that previously slated Mattel for, this is Emma, comes back to your point, for considering the penis to be a crucial feature of girls' sexual fantasy and psychological health. Given the assumption widely promoted by Freud and his followers, the child's psychosexual development hinges on the discovery of the penis and not the vagina. Kind of saying that the penis or a person without a penis is incomplete or wounded. So for them to, for there to be such a hullabaloo about him not having one and it being a whole thing but then it's like well barbie didn't have a vagina no one cared about that why is this such a big deal it Mm -hmm. comes back to that whole freudian thing but now very strange in like the kind of modern age a lot of authors from that time have now come back and been like actually mattel you could nearly consider forward thinking seeing as we now have a whole new relationship and understanding of genitalia and gender Mm -hmm. and that it's like who is to say you're not a man because you don't have a penis yeah Who's to say that's what defines you as a person mm-hmm. um, and that you're not defined with what's between your legs. So it's a very political thing. Better than the average Emma, you know? <laughs> I did read a study about um, the rise of these stupid fucking names. Their official term now, stupid fucking stupid names. Fucking names. Stupid. And uh, <laughs> it is about like, individualism and like from birth you're told that you're special and different so that you need to become special and different and then when you don't reach that potential you become um unhealthy hi guys my name is fruity um it's a name that you might have heard before (laughs) (laughs) so take what you want from that yeah okay well i get another drink god we were about to start yeah we we're about to start mine, but listen, we'll come back to it because it's 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 uh, you know hot and it's Irish in there. Like the three of us. Oh, who's that? 
Okay, so my scandal is about the original Fire Festival. Yes! So, yeah, I'm so excited. 1969's Woodstock. Woodstock. An Aquarian exposition. Aquarian? I don't know. I, I wrote that word. I wrote that word very squished up. So we're just going to ignore that part. Build as three days of peace and music. So it was held in upstate New York, two hours from Manhattan. Saw almost half a million people and had Creedence Clearwater Revival, Janis Joplin, The Who, Crosby, Stills and Nash, and of course, the main headliner, Jimi Hendrix, all played across the weekend. So it's kind of seen as the pinnacle of American counterculture and known internationally as like one of the biggest events in music history. But if we take off our rose-tinted flower glasses, the truth <laughs> is a lot bigger than we think. Read them for sales first. Well, the main reason why the, why the festival is known so well is because it was made into a documentary in the 1970s, which was very popular, made huge amounts of money, won the Oscar nomination for best um, documentary picture, but showed the festival in a very positive light. It was, it was honest, but obviously, you know, it was right up the front. You could see the artists, you know, you, you felt like you were right there looking at them but obviously the majority of people weren't right up front so just to give you kind of a perspective of how big Woodstock was so Electric Picnic in 2019 um, had a capacity for 55,000 people Mm -hmm. Woodstock had around 400,000 people oh my god so EP obviously is massive in Irish terms. EP yeah. also has around 14 different areas and stages and things like that. Woodstock had one stage. No. So imagine like main stage electric. No. Pit, but like probably a hundred times the amount of people there. So the, the site that it was in was in a sort of valley bowl like thing. So everyone was kind of up on a big hill. So everyone could kind of see the stage. But that's still a hell of a lot of people at one festival, looking at one stage the whole time. It also rained a lot, you know. And they hardly had like big screens around. No, nothing. Okay. Yeah. And And the sound system wouldn't have been as good either. It wasn't as good, but it was actually very good. Um, And the sound designer, um, his design of the sound system was used at numerous festivals um, and big events since. So he did kind of create a new way of doing things. So like Fire Festival, it was set up by people with not a lot of experience, but a lot of money. Okay. Um, So two of the main people who funded it, John Roberts and Jill Rosenman, um, they, uh, so Roberts was an heir to a pharmaceutical fortune they tried to pitch a TV show about um, entrepreneurs with too much money, but not enough ideas and the antics that they would get up to. So this is, you know, <laughs> mid 1960s. They were in their sort of uh, mid to late twenties. So, you know, they were people who had a lot of money and didn't really know what to do with it and thought this will be fun. So they put in an ad um, into the newspaper asking for business ideas. 
And they got a reply from Michael Lang and Artie Kornfeld, who wanted to invest the money in a recording studio in Woodstock, because that's where Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix and a lot of other artists lived. And they said, well, you know, if the recording studio is local, they'll come here and we'll make loads of money because they're big stars. So eventually the plan kind of developed into becoming a music festival in their hometown. Um, Woodstock did not have a good location, so they kind of moved around New York um, and finally settled on their third location in Bethel, which was an hour and a half away from where Woodstock actually was. But it was still the Woodstock Festival. They'd already started advertising it. You know, it was big. So none of them, you know, really knew how to organize a festival, but they knew what they wanted. They wanted to sort of tap into American counterculture. This was a time when, you know, the youth were calling for peace and it was flower power. Um, and obviously America being involved in so much military action, you have like World War II, Berlin, Korea, Vietnam, the nuclear tensions with Russia. You know, this is a huge time of military action. And a lot of young people are saying, no, we don't want this. Mm-hmm. So a festival of peace and music seemed to tap into that. And a lot of musicians were at the forefront of this kind of movement because they weren't as censored as television or cinema. So they were able to speak out and there were, you know, lots of anti-war songs and things that came out during the 60s. I thought it was interesting that it's sort of a thing designed to profit off anti-capitalist ideals. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, everyone hates capitalism. Why don't we make some money off this? <laughs> uh, yeah. But they didn't make money. Ooh. Mm. Um, oh. So they told the town that they were expecting 50,000 people to get the town on board. And the town thought that's a lot of people, but you know, that's fine. Wait, um, so sorry, were they selling tickets to this? Yeah, they were selling tickets. Um, they sold 186,000 advanced tickets. No. And each ticket was, in today's money, around $130. So it wasn't a lot of money. That's cheap for a three-day yeah. And especially with, like, huge, huge acts of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't get the green light from the town to start building things until August 2nd, 13 days before the festival was due to start. This is Fire Festival. This is Fire Festival. It is. It's Fire Festival. Um, so obviously they have limited time and limited money. So they have two options. One is to complete all the fencing and ticket booths. Um, you could, people could buy tickets at the gate if they wanted to, um, because obviously credit cards and online booking and things like that didn't exist. Um, so they could, you know, complete the fencing and put people in the ticket booths, or their second option was to build the stage because they hadn't also built the stage yet. The one, so, the one singular stage. Yeah. yeah. Jimi Hendrix and the million people, yeah. So the decision was made um, for them because people started arriving two days early on the Wednesday and walked straight through because they were oh, arrived early. No one sitting at the um, at the ticket checks. So they decided the best thing to do was just to make the festival free, um, just yeah. let people walk in, um, and announce that it was free. What about the people who bought tickets? So one hundred eighty-six thousand people have bought tickets. Um, I don't, didn't say anywhere that they were offered a refund or anything, but it just said that anyone else could walk in. Because they were expecting another sort of 30,000 people who hadn't bought tickets to show up. But obviously once it was announced that you could just walk in, everyone just walked in. So there were huge traffic jams. 
which didn't help that it had been raining a lot of August. So all these sort of country roads, because it was, it was on a dairy farm in the middle of upstate New York, you know, it wasn't near anything. So all these country roads were muddy and flooded, hard to drive on. Um, and obviously the town had planned for 50,000 people. So there weren't enough loose, wasn't enough first aid, wasn't enough food. Helicopters, helicopters from the Air Force Base um, had to be called in to get the axe to the festival sites because the axe couldn't travel because there was so much traffic. So the whole schedule was completely sort of changed and updated as it went along um, because half the axe couldn't make it there. <laughs> so the, government, the governor of New York, Nelson Rockefeller, um, called Roberts, one of the organizers, um, and threatened to send 10,000 troops to the site. Um, but Roberts convinced him that it wasn't necessary. Um, Sullivan County, where it was, declared a state of emergency. No. Because so much, there were just so many people. But honestly, if you have half a million people in one place, you're imagining, like, what if something gets out of hand and what if people yeah. just, like, go off? Yeah. And, and everyone's, like, drinking. Everyone's on so many drugs. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing, is this was, like, peak. Everyone doing drugs, trying drugs, LSD and marijuana. And, you know, a lot of government types, obviously have never tried those and don't know what they are and think that they're these crazy drugs that are going to kill everyone and everyone's going to die. Um, so everyone's freaking out because these are like the youth that have been protesting and causing issues in society and the media has been very anti. Um, all congregating on one place under this banner of peace. But obviously a lot of right-wing media said, oh, they call it peace, but they're protesting and they're destroying our society. Um, but, fun fact, um, with all this carnage outside of the festival, it was incredibly peaceful. Everyone had a good time. All the people that arrived, there weren't any riots, there weren't any protests, there weren't any crazy shenanigans. Everyone was just like, we're here because we love peace and love. Um, so Max Yasker, who owned the site, said that it was amazing that half a million people were there and they all focused on peace and the music. Um, and that's, I think, one of the reasons, unlike Fire Festival, you know, everyone was just happy to be there. Everyone Fire Festival, there. it was a thing of people spent so much money to go, were yeah. promised something that didn't deliver, were promised they were going to, like, literally just be, like, chilling on the beach with, like, Kendall Jenner. Yeah. They were <laughs> promising, like, wealth and luxury and to be seen, whereas in Woodstock it was like, we're just going to have a good time and chill out. Yeah. And that's kind of what you they want to come free, you can, and Jimi Hendrix will be there. You may see him, you may not, but yeah. you're going to have a good time, peace and love. And all the acts turned up. Some were delayed. The schedule wasn't really followed, but everyone was there. Everyone had a good time. Um, what I did find funny, uh, they forgot to get an MC and only realised um, around an hour before... Oh before the first act came on stage. And so they asked the lighting designer. His name is Chip. He got Chip. a nomination um, and Chip was the MC. He didn't get a Tony nomination. I'm literally crying. That's so yeah. nice. They called him up and so he got to, you know, say, oh, here's Jimi Hendrix. Um, Jimi Hendrix, because of all the delays, because so many acts weren't there and because of rain and people complaining, um, he was meant to play Sunday night, he ended up playing 8 a.m. on Monday morning. So the majority of the acts played in the a.m. 
hours. Jimi Hendrix was the like was the final act, and that was something in his contract was he was meant to close the festival, but he was meant to play at like one a.m. on Sunday night. But because everything kept getting pushed back, um, he ended up playing at eight a.m. Now, That's am I thinking so of the right festival that people pretty much got on stage and like they'd be like, oh, I'm going to do my set for like 40 minutes, but because there was so many delays, they were like, just keep playing, just keep playing. And some of them played for like four hours. Oh, yeah. Like what there was no... What did you even do? I don't think there was like a stage manager to be like, okay, you're off now. Because the, even the MC who was like in charge of things was the lighting designer and he was like, oh, I don't care. We're all having a good time. Everyone's oh enjoying my God. it. What I just don't understand is obviously like, were people bringing food with them for three days and drinking stuff for three days? Or like, what was story? I also, think... people just like shitting in a field. See, yeah. what I think is that everyone, because it was such a time of drugs, I think the majority of people were just on things and just went with it. Yeah, fair. Because if you had it like three days isn't that long, but then I do think about Electric Picnic and I'm like, so yeah. much happened and like, you had to sleep. And I also did sleep yeah. for some hours every night. Yeah. I reckon it's a bit like Burning Man and they all just start bartering things. Yeah. Mm. There there was food, just not enough for the amount of people. And because I know that the Air Force helicopters also brought more food in. So, you know, there were places that you could buy food. Air Force. I know. I just think it's hilarious that the, the county declares a state of emergency because there's just so many cars. And they got away with it as well. Like, it was like the best, the best festival in history. But everyone who lived in that town is like, it was the worst oh, yeah. weekend of my life. Um, so, obviously, there was no second Woodstock. Mm. As we know, it just happened once. Um, and I think that could be a reason why it's so iconic. Yeah. Because there's only because those like, people were there. Yeah. Because, sorry, weren't there babies born at Woodstock? So, what? this is interesting. Two babies were born at Woodstock at the festival, but there were also four miscarriages. And I just think no. that's, I mean, you know, obviously there's half a million people there, but six heavily pregnant women were like, yeah, I'm going to go to this free-for-all festival. And I think this is a good idea. The fact that two babies were born, like these, like two women were like just coming up to their due date and just were like, yeah. I got to see Hendrix. Yeah. Um, two people also died. I was gonna ask. At the festival, yeah. Um, one had an overdose of insulin, um, and the other burning. fell asleep in a hayfield um, away from the site and got run over by a tractor. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god! But with all that chaos and carnage and all that going on, two deaths. Yeah. A lot for for like a million people or half yeah. a million people. But for a lack of organisation and lack of first aid, a lack of. Um, food like all those kind of things and huge amounts of drugs and alcohol and neither of the deaths were related to like a fight or like exactly someone actually being killed mm. there because everyone was on the buzz of peace and everyone was yeah. friends What's i feel like that literally just wouldn't happen now no no what i do love there's a quote from the lead singer of credence clearwater revival so they, let me just find where this is. They were meant to play um, much earlier and they started at 3.30 a.m. <laughs> um, they said, we were ready to rock out and we waited and waited and finally it was our turn. There were half a million people asleep. These people were out. 
It was sort of like a painting of a Dante scene, just bodies from hell, all intertwined and asleep, covered with mud. And this is the moment I will never forget, as long as I live, a quarter mile away in the darkness, on the other edge of this bowl, there was some guy flicking his lighter, and in the night I hear, don't worry about it, John, we're with you. And I played the rest of the show for that guy. Oh my God! What the fuck? Oh my God. Oh my God. That really fucking sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah. Obviously, at the end, the um, supervisor, who I assume is like the mayor of the town, um, Daniel Amatucci, uh, was not re-elected in November after the festival. Because he has been one of the people who saying, no, this would be great, local economy. Um, afterwards, of course, New York State passed laws um, for regulation of mass gatherings. Um, and then in 2019, Woodstock 50 was announced to celebrate 50 years since the original Woodstock. Uh, Michael Lang, one of the original organizers, not one of the people with the money, but one of the people with the idea, um, was pushing it. Uh, they released a whole lineup, um, and then investors pulled out as they had lost faith in the preparations. So obviously, even after the first one hadn't worked, um, they'd still not learned. Because I think they put in no effort and it was still a success. But I feel like the whole like grassroots DIY mm. kind of chancer attitude was nearly like the charm of it. Yeah. Thank you, we're done. Thank you for listening. Thank you, we're done. <laughs> we're All right. with you. Um, you don't have to stay here. But you can, oh, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I haven't been so long. You have to. You don't have to stay here, but you... No. You have to you stay home. home. <laughs> you don't have to stay here, but you must stay home. Yeah, you can't stay here, but we're going, and you have to stay home. <laughs> um, All right, lads. Down, baby. We will be discussing um, assassination scandals. And assassinations. I think an assassination is already a scandal. Yeah. Not all the time. Um, <laughs> sometimes there's no controversy. What if we agree with it? Um, uh, I'm going to say it now. You cannot do who shot Mr. Burns. I literally was going to do that. No! Oh, great idea, though. I mean, like, that, that's up for general discussion, but I feel like we know who did it. We do know who did it. But we okay, still know, who did, know who did many scandals. We know who did many of the assassinations. Not, not who killed Tutankhamun. I remember watching when I was like eight, a uh, five hour, it was probably like two hour, but a very long documentary. And at the end it was like, we don't know. Oh, I can't God. stand that. That's the worst. That's like when they're like, we're going to bust open this Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. And then at the end they're like, I guess we'll never know about this Bermuda Triangle. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Oh. Don't show me this if you're not going to properly give me some answers. Okay, um, goodbye. Goodbye. See ya. Right, Julie, you got to entertain the public while we're gone. Okay. Can we just, like, sing a song? Yeah. Whatever you have Drop to Drop some lines. Freddie, I know you have to listen back to this later on. Um... How spooky that it's just you and I talking. I don't really have anything to say. <laughs> kind of want to use this time to maybe go on my phone. Um, spill some secrets. 
Um, I'm staring at my fanny pack. I'm thinking about getting a sewing machine. This all interesting. Is this something you're gonna like cook for yourself and listen to when you go to sleep? Maybe. I'm gonna say it later on in the pod, but I'm gonna hide it in here. Um, I think that if Action Man and Ken, as in Barbie's Ken, were going out, um, and if we were to play who's on top, I think Action Man's the bottom. I think he he's so masculine during the day that he just comes home and he just wants to be taken care of, maybe babied a little bit. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> oh, it's been real. It's been weird. I'm going to go on my phone so when you come back, you don't suspect that I... Oh, did you hear me this whole time? No! I told you I do the thing where I... Oh no! I was like, this is gonna be so funny when Freddie goes to edit this later on. <laughs>